When conflict arises, how does it feel inside? Do emotions erupt? Or maybe you run away or run headlong into it. Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Mary Slocum, and today's podcast is about working with conflict. Whether you are a new or a regular listener, I hope you find the podcast meaningful and will be moved to support it. Subscribe or follow where you listen, download the episodes, share it with your friends, review it on Apple Podcasts, and become a member by going to patreon.com forward slash your mindful life. That's patreon.com, P A T R E O N.com forward slash your mindful life, all one word. Your Mindful Life Podcast. We all want to dwell in comfort, that sense of satisfaction and peace of mind resulting from managing our relationships with ourselves, with others, and with the world in a harmonious way. But life is not always harmonious. Often its edges are ragged, torn, and sometimes sharp. We often face uncomfortable situations, criticisms, and disagreements. Conflict is all around, all the time. When faced with conflict, we may wish to push it away, to avoid it by cutting off contact with those with whom we are in conflict. This, of course, creates a festering wound in us that grows, distorting the situation and causing us more suffering as we imagine blame and guilt. At the other end, going head-to-head in confrontation doesn't help either. It creates more suffering in us as we strive to make our point of view the only one or the only right one. Often this leads to a my way or the highway mindset. Finding a middle-of-the-road, open and friendly attitude towards conflict gives us a space to explore many possibilities and from these to uncover a resolution that works for everyone. Conflict is part of life. It's here to stay. And mindfulness can help us navigate conflict from a place of equanimity and open-heartedness. Understanding and resolution require open connection in which all are willing to listen, to withhold judgment, and to allow the possibility that there is an outcome that is satisfactory to all. How do we start? How do we engage with conflict mindfully? Begin here by reflecting and asking little questions. What's my motivation? 
What's my intention? What lies at the root of this conflict? Is it money, power, influence, or self-gratification? Is it the need for recognition? Is it about helping to better myself and others? Does it arise out of concern for the well-being of an individual or group? Perhaps it's about wanting perfection or about wanting to balance desire and means. Or maybe it's about something else. Being real about our motivations and intentions provide us the opportunity to nip conflict in the bud because when we are true to ourselves by being open and allowing, we give ourselves space and time to change our thinking, speech, and actions. Taking time to inquire before engaging helps to distill the underlying cause and the perspective we are bringing forward into engagement and dialogue. If we believe that something unworthy, such as greed, is the root cause, how do we go forward? We may realize that we cannot right the wrong immediately. But by opening the dialogue in a healthy way, we may be able to bring light to what is here and so change the course of action. Of course, this sounds simple, but is not always easy. Conflicts are most often not black and white, but have many variations of gray. If we simply say this conflict is arising because so-and-so is greedy, we are not ready to engage. We still need to pause and ask more questions. Where is this greed coming from? Does this person have unmet emotional needs that are causing them to need more and more? Does this person believe that having more and more things will make them happy, recognized, appreciated, or signal that they belong to an advantaged group? Through this process of inquiry, we can assemble open-minded questions that provide us a way into engagement and discover what lies beneath their greedy behavior. We are still not ready to engage, though. Next, Sitting with the emotions that are arising in us allows us to recognize, acknowledge, and allow them to flow through rather than get stuck in us. Let the indignation, frustration, and anger pass through on its terms. To do this, we must be willing to sit with these emotions from a place of equanimity, feeling them and allowing them and allowing how they express themselves in our bodily sensations and thoughts without judging them. Most importantly, taking time to inquire about the attitude of mind we are bringing into a dialogue can make all the difference. We need to ask ourselves, can I invite loving kindness and compassion to be present in this engagement? 
Holding our adversaries in loving kindness allows us to see them as human beings just like we are, imperfect and worthy. It is remarkably clarifying and heart-opening to practice a loving-kindness meditation before entering dialogue or negotiation, offering phrases of loving-kindness to yourself as well as to your adversary. I know from experience that it changes everything. The conflict is still there, but the blame is gone. We are able to meet as connected human beings, not as alien adversaries. I like to begin this practice by offering phrases of loving kindness to my adversary using the phrase, just like me, may this person, and I name the person, be safe. Just like me, may this person be free from inner and outer harm. Just like me, may this person be at ease. I repeat these phrases several times using the name of the person, and I find that it never fails to open my heart. Putting space around the conflict and not making it personal can also be helpful. The conflict may be about differing opinions about which actions can achieve a goal, for example. It may be about to what degree a goal can be achieved or whether the goal itself can be achieved or is even worthy of being achieved. It might even be about whether the goal is wise, healthy, and open-hearted. Holding a mental attitude of equanimity, that state of openness, balance, and non-judgment, enables us to listen deeply, open ourselves to new information, and allow new perspectives to emerge. Equanimity also ensures that we're not making the conflict personal. We are not judging another person. A person's actions may be unskillful. A person may have made a mistake consciously or unconsciously, but the mistake is not the person. Blaming and shaming does not assist us in our quest for conflict resolution. It only creates tightness in the body and suffering in the mind. Being equanimous allows us to see clearly and from many perspectives. It allows us to step outside of ourselves. Discussing conflict requires us to embrace truth. This is often harder than we know. We may believe our perspective is correct and then later learn that, well, maybe it isn't after all. Of course, deceit and lies do not serve our purpose, for they obscure rather than illuminate the truth. They lead us away from common ground and resolution. Sometimes language can get in the way of understanding. Asking the little question, am I speaking in a way that is understandable to others, is always helpful. 
The way we express ourselves and the vocabulary we use can either assist or hinder in finding common ground. Bringing our awareness and full attention into the conversation can protect us from wandering away from our intention and getting lost in the swamp of tit-for-tat or responding in reactive emotion like anger or frustration. When we are aware of these unpleasant sensations arising, we can pause, step back, and ask, what's happening now? Remembering our intention and resetting our attitude of mind helps to move emotions through us and helps to move us along. Notice how when we get caught up in unhealthy emotions or an unwise speech like disparagement or denigration, or when we get stuck on a point and won't budge, that the back-and-forth dialogue speeds up, the pitch of voices rises, and the energy around the conversation darts all over the place. This kind of escalating, unhealthy rhetoric leads away from resolution, not towards it. Noticing this happening gives us the opportunity to step back and even take a break if it's needed. We can always let the other person know, I'm going to take some time now just to settle down and think about this, and then I'm willing to come back. Finally, bringing our deep listening skills to the conversation helps all parties to reflect, adjust, and bring creativity to the dialogue. Listening deeply means bringing concentration to what is being said and feeling how what is being said lands in our body. Does it feel pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? And we acknowledge how it feels, and then we continue listening with equanimity. Checking that we are really listening and not busy thinking up a response helps us in that space to allow us to really take in what is being said. And when a pause occurs, we can then reflect back to the person speaking what we have heard. Our reflecting back can begin with a phrase such as, I'm hearing you say... And then we say what we have heard. Deep listening helps in two ways. First, it can alert us that what we thought we heard may or may not have been what was said. And second, that the speaker may not have said what he, she, or they meant to say. Reflecting back gives the speaker the opportunity to say again or to clarify what they have wanted to say and gives us, the listener, the opportunity to understand more fully what is being said. Reflecting back what we have heard allows for correction and restatement and it leads to deeper understanding 
It leads the way forward without emotional reactivity. The truth can slowly emerge for both parties when deep listening is in play. The act of reflecting back also gives both the speaker and the listener the opportunity to adjust his, her, their mental attitude to catch blaming and shaming or harsh judgment. The speaker might say something like, oh, what I meant to say is this, not that, or now I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure what I'm wanting to say. I need some time to think more about this. And that's a good outcome. Remember, too, that conflict is not just between two people. Conflict manifests among interconnected individuals and groups with multiple competing interests. The big conflicts of our day climate change and environmental issues, public health policy, social justice, and political extremism, among others, require a really big tent under which mindful dialogue happens. And yet the way forward is one-to-one conversation, one engagement at a time. Bring mindfulness to the conversation. Awareness and deep listening, equanimity and non-judgment, loving kindness and compassion for yourselves and all beings. I hope you enjoyed the show today, and I hope you'll try out these practices when conflict arises, as it always does. Let me know how it goes by sending me a note, a contact link, will be in the show notes. As always, I'm grateful to you, my listeners, and also to the people behind the scenes who make this podcast possible. Everyone who is a member of the podcast through Patreon, Gorgias Romero for original music, audio engineering, and production, Bill Rafferty for technical web support, Ali Allen for logo and podcast cover design, and Margaret Haas for announcing the show. Be well, be mindful. Mm-hmm.